In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the Mercato, we'll be predicting the Serie A, we'll be previewing the Santoria game, this week's Moratti, Moji and Frog, and much, much more, everything here on Studio Inter, on elsempreinter.com. Bentornati, benvenuti to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Imatale Ruzzari, wishing you welcome back um, from this international break, uh, from the, from a week when we had no Serie A football with an international break, but we had a mercato close. Um, and these are the teams. The, 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 the table has been set, the chess table has been set, and now we have to see, uh, now, now, the, now the fun begins, the actual games begin, and we have to... Were, uh, to see how, how Inter do, if Inter can get that second star or not. But before we get to all of that, I'd like to introduce my panelist. Uh, he's the SempreInter.com preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. How are you? I'm uh, very well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, good as usual. Uh, strange to be recording on a Sunday night rather than a Monday night, but otherwise mm-hmm. uh, all is fantastic. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's a, we, I thought we'd do it a little bit earlier this week because we do play Sampdoria, but we, we're going to talk about that as well. Um, we play Sampdoria on a, I think it's a, it's a lunch match as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's uh, it's a lunch match on uh, uh, next Sunday. Uh, uh, against Sampdoria, but uh, before we get to that, we uh, let me tr- let me introduce the remaining p- members of the panel. He's, he's making his season debut uh, on Studio Inter. Uh, he writes. He used to write for Semper Inter. Used to be the chief, chief news editor. Now he's over on email on the Daily Mail, uh, amongst others. Welcome back, Mr. Will Beckman. How are you? Hello. Yes. Good to be back. Um, I'm really, really pleased that I've made my season debut on the episode where we make our inevitably dreadful season predictions. <laughs> Come back just in time to make a fool of myself. So, uh, dreadful, unless you're Mo. If Mo makes the good predictions. The rest of us, I don't know. Yeah, we just we just copy his homework, don't we? Uh, <laughs> yep. Okay. No, I have listened to the, the first few episodes of the season. Very well done, and uh, lots of good points made. And hopefully, we can make some more today. Hopefully. Oh, well, I, I hope so. Uh, we are joined by our man in Dallas. Uh, sports, he's a sports editor of uh, on D Magazine. Uh, welcome, Mike, the Reverend Pielucci. Good to be back as well. Uh, good to be joining Will in season debut and apparently both of us getting new jobs and uh, and hopefully both of us not dragging down the quality shows that you and Mo have been putting <laughs> out with, uh, with Mike and Alex Dotto so far. Well, no, I I don't think so. I think uh, I'm, I'm sure we will do, we'll be fine. But I mean, let's get into it. Um, the Mercato closed. Um, the it, w- it was it was a very dramatic summer for Inter and Inter fans. Not the kind of not the kind of uh, summer you'd expect when you've won the title. But you know, it's Italy. It's it's Inter, and, and Inter are what they are, and 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 it is what it is. Uh, but all things considered, um, I thought what we do is we'd uh, give ratings to the Mercato uh, and, 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 and motivate why and get a little discussion going before we predict the Serie A. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, with you, Mo. I want to get your rating um, and I want to know why. Why you, why you yeah, give the it's rating? A, it's a very difficult uh, season to give a, a rating on, especially coming off the back of last season uh, where, you know, uh, or the last couple of seasons where Inter did extremely well, bringing in big names, uh, Lukaku, Barella, Hakimi, and the foundations of uh, of this new generation were being built. So, of course, it's not as it's not as great as those previous seasons. But at the same time, I think with when you if you don't analyze the the season or the, the transfer season in a vacuum and look at it as uh, as part of the overall constraints, economic and otherwise, that the net management we're facing, I wouldn't be able to rate it any lower than an 8.5. So I think, uh, objectively speaking, uh, this is this has got to be one of the best Mercatos, constraints or otherwise, that we've seen since the treble. 
you know, since the treble uh, season. So in over a decade, we've had a fantastic mercato for in terms of incoming players, in terms of uh, letting go of uh, dead wood and letting go of, 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 of um, heavy wages. So I think in that sort of sense, the mercato has been great. The only issue has been that, you know, a minor footnote has been that uh, the incoming players have come to replace star players, uh, not just to, to, uh, to build on and increase the depth of the size. So, so, so that is my, my, my only criticism. But um, I've alluded to this when we had James Horncastle and Gab Makoti the last couple of weeks. Personally, I think uh, standing here looking at the season in front of us, still to be played, I think with this squad and this manager, I'm probably more optimistic today compared to the same time last year. Not knowing what I know now about the squad last year and how the season transpired. You know, knowing all things equal, where we are today on, on, on the 5th of September versus where we were on the 5th of September, where I still believe that Inter would win the Scudetto, so on and so forth. I'm more optimistic of this squad's uh, chances in the Serie A. And again, it's got to do with an amazing transfer season and it's also got to do with you know, uh, comparatively poorer transfer seasons by our direct rivals. So, yeah, I think an 8.5 for me uh, is is generous, but, you know, I'm Mr. Positivity, so that's what I'm going to give. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, Mike, where, where are you on this? Uh, like, on, a, on the classic 1 to 10 rating, where are you and why? You know, I'm with Mr. Positivity on this. Uh, I think I both took the words out of my mouth, and, you know, this is how I reviewed it, with this show last year, you have to look at the constraints that uh, Pepe Morata and Piero Auxilio are under, right? What are you working with? Well, if Pepe Morata and Piero Auxilio had the choice, they certainly would not be without Antonio Conte. They certainly would not have sold Ashraf Hakimi. They certainly would not have sold uh, Romelu Lukaku. Those were decisions bigger than them. Those were on account of constraints bigger than them, on account of economic forces bigger than them. All you could judge them on is what they were able to do with what they were given. And if you really break it down, I mean, every move they made was very, very impressive to me, right? Um, Ed and Jack, I want a free, essentially, right? I guess a, a million and a half euros if and when Inter make the Champions League. I can't see a scenario in which they don't make the Champions League. A guy who has a lot left to offer, I think has something in the tank for at least this year, if not two years. Love that move. Uh, Denzel Dumfries for the price that they paid for him, which is essentially 12 and a half million euros, uh, plus two and a half bonuses. That was, that's a guy who starts for the Netherlands. That's one of the most exciting younger wingbacks in Europe. They got him on a great deal. Uh, Joaquin Correa has a big signing to come in and not replace Lukaku like for like, but be a quality player in the attack. Already showing his quality, has shown at Lazio that he is a difference maker, starts for Argentina, a very talented guy. We could sit here and debate, should you, you know, should they've gotten Andrea Bellotti, should they've gotten Correa? The bottom line is they added a very talented player. They let, you know, when Lukaku left, they didn't come away from this with empty-handed, you know. And then uh, a move that I consider a transfer in a lot of ways is getting Federico DeMarco back on, you know, off of a loan to come in. I think he's going to be starting by mid-season, a left wing back. Um, I don't know how high the ultimate ce- ceiling is. I think he could be, a, a, at worst, though, I think a quality player and a useful starter. Um, you look at that and you look at how much, how little they spent because they had so little work with compared to what they sold. It, they just did remarkable work. And it's the same thing as last year when, yeah, Hakimi was the only big signing they brought in, but what did they have to work with this time around the mandate was sell two big time star players maximize the profits and it should be worth noting that they sold Ashraf Hakimi and Romelu Lukaku for considerably more than what they bought them for and they reinvested in some players who I think two of them will be around for a while and one of them and then Jekko is an incredible piece of business so I, I can't not be optimistic and excited for how they handle the market whether that means another scudetto i don't know but they did what they the best they could with the constraints they're under and i think that deserves a very generous rating so i'm going 8.5 as well um yeah that's that's a good one uh that's that's a fair shout uh will are you equally as positive as the the previous two gentlemen or are you a little bit more uh, down to earth well, I mean, it's as Mo said, it's really, really difficult to give a flat rating to this to this transfer. And I mean, it's always difficult because you've got 
lots of different elements. You've got outgoings, incomings, you know, the circumstance in which the, the deals were made. But it's even harder, I think, on this on this um, on this instance because you've got to work out. I mean, are we grading the Marotta and Auxilia? Are we grading Suning? Are we grading everything as a whole? I mean, it's very complex, and I don't think there's any one number that can really um, sort of satisfactorily explain what's happened over the last few months. But you know, I've I've done it as a rating for for Suning, a rating for Marotta and Auxilia, and then taken the average of that which is why mine is lower, um, because, you know, I don't think the directors could really have done much more given the, the situation they were in. I mean, they were told um, pretty much the, the day after Inter won the league that they were going to have this really difficult challenge to, to get in a, an 80 million profit, or whatever it was, and, and reduce the wage bill by 15, 20 percent. Um, so if we're looking exclusively at them, you know, to basically keep the team at roughly as competitive as it was at the end of last season with those constraints is a is a incredible achievement i mean you know there, there's i don't think it would be reasonable to to criticize them really for for anything that the signings they've made are, are make sense they're either players you've got potential to improve or or know the league they, they all kind of make sense um there's a player that inzaghi wanted which is good given that you know lukaku wasn't expected to leave so signing correa sort of reinforces his position which was um which is probably necessary so it's very very difficult to to give an overall rating but in terms of signings i think it's a job well done um we there we've got direct replacements for lukaku hakimi and ericsson um the marco in for young is pretty good that's a bit of a, a regeneration and i mean potentially just a better player in that position um i really like dumfries as a signing it's kind of signing we should be making um he's young but he's already kind of established. He's got room for improvement. He's on a reasonable salary. He's got resale value if if we end up in a position where we need to sell him. Um, so the signings are all pretty positive. Um, in an ideal world, we would have found a, a different goalkeeper to replace Andanovic, but obviously at the moment that's not that's not really realistic. Sales are pretty good as well. Um, Lazaro has gone. Uh, Nigel and Jamari have gone completely, albeit we didn't get fees for them. So most of the deadwood has been shifted. Um, obviously, one of the um, one of the, the, the the small upsides of not of selling Hakimi and Lukaku is that we didn't have to sacrifice youngsters. Um, so you know the likes of Di Marco, Agume, uh, Van Hoisden, you know these players are still on our books and could become useful in in future years. So that's all good. But look, the bottom line is we were the champions of Italy and we lost the coach, the best striker, the star wing back of the league, and you know. The, the repla- none of the replacements are stronger, so I, I'm I'm saying you know, staying moderate in my in my praise of of this window. Um, I've rated it six because that's the average between a four and an eight essentially, which is what I've how I've split it up. But you know, the number is kind of arbitrary. I think what I am feeling positive. I think that's the thing that I would say, and I, I was not expecting to feel this positive when when the summer started and particularly well not even when the summer started three weeks ago four weeks ago when Lukaku was sold I was thinking this team might not even make the top four you know it was it was that bleak in my head um because the mood was was awful um I was worried about what the directors might do as a result having to sell Lukaku you know would they stay how would the team react and the signs we've had since then have all been very good so you know my, my rating is six for the reasons I've just explained but um you know, as Mo said, strangely, I almost feel more optimistic this season than I did in previous seasons. And if you'd said that um, sort of two or three months ago, I would have thought you were absolutely mad. Um, so I'm overall feeling positive. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's I mean, that last part is something I think everyone would agree with um, uh, in terms of, you know, the, it's been wild. Um and Iconti Sifano alla fine, you know, the accounts are settled at the end. And the end, when the accounts were settled, it, it's a team that's better suited to how Simon Inzaghi wants to play. Um, I think the way I look at it is I give a rating, I give two ratings, one for players in, one for players out, and then the, the divide, add them together and divide by two, and that's the one you get. And players in, I give eight because... If you look at what was available out there um, when Hakimi left, yeah, Marotta played it really cool. He wanted Denzel Dumfries from the get-go. Hector Bellerin was a backup. Naita Nandes was a backup. 
Um, I think for for everything, you know, especially what Mike said about Denzel Dumfries is a very exciting player. We'll have to wait and see, but if he can if he can succeed in in, in the league, uh, very you know, it's it's a very different league to the Dutch league. Um, Serie A, it's much more tactical, it's much more closed off. You have to be much more intelligent. Um, but but to me, what I see when I see well, you know, we have to remember that Denzel Dumfries is a captain of PSV. That means he's a leader and he's a professional. He's not, you know, this is a guy that, you know, comes in and he wants to do well here. Um, he's fully motivated. He's fully concentrated. And that's that's really reassuring and encouraging. Um, and as for Correa, you know, technically, if not the best player in the Serie A, certainly top three, uh, technically gifted as uh, in, in terms of technique, you know, how gifted he is technically. But the problem has been goals and assists. Now he started off absolutely brilliantly, so uh, that's there's not much to um, to 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 comment on there. We'll just have to wait and see. I think Edin Dzeko. My my only concern is Edin Dzeko at 35. I don't doubt his quality. I doubt his quantity. Meaning, can he? You know, Inter don't have a backup to him, and it's clear that he's the kind of player that they're going to start in week in week out. And I think when you're when you're building a team around a 35 year old like that, that that's a that's a risk. But having said that, this means that Lautaro Martinez is the biggest star of this team. He's the one that they're going to build the project around. Uh, he's going to extend his contract. Um, they're, they're also going to extend a contract of Brozovic, Defray, Skriniar and Barella, which is in, in this incredibly difficult climate, a very, very impressive thing they've done. They've also done it with Bastoni. So, so I, you know, as a whole, all players coming in, I have to give it an eight. As for players going out, I can't give that more than a six. Because 115 million euros for Lukaku is what I expect to get for a player of Lukaku's caliber. 70, 80 million for Hakimi is what I expect to get for a player of Hakimi's caliber. Um, if you want to get a higher rating, you have to be able to cash in on the Lazaros, which they didn't. You have to be able to cash in on Jean Mario, which they absolutely didn't. And in fact, and might end up being sued by or are being sued by Sporting to to see if they violated that contract. Uh, Preventing him to, preventing them to, preventing him to sell him to, you know, let him go to a Portuguese club for five years without paying a 30 million uh, fee, a 30 million fine, euro fine. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what that happens. I doubt anything will come out of it because the contract was terminated. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, then you have Rajanayngoran, same thing there, the mutual termination. Um, Zinio van Huysden, I think, you know, he's a player in more than a player out. Uh, you know, they had a deal with Standard. They they signed him. He's the most expensive signing they did this summer because Joaquin Correa is on a loan with an option which will become an obligation in 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 the in, in early 2021. Um, you know, so so and Chalanoglu free transfer. Uh, you know, they had to do that after what happened with Ericsson. Um, Di Marco, good signing in as well. Uh, Perisic and Inter are quite clear that they're going to part ways. This is the last year. Uh, same thing with Vecino. So they, they've not managed to, off to, to sell any players. Now, it is a difficult, you know, it's a difficult mercato to do that in, given the financial constraints that Inter find themselves in. And everyone finds themselves in. Uh, it, there's no money going about except for at the very top with City and uh, Man United, City, PSG, etc. But Premier League clubs and, and, and PSG. So th they have the money and, and therefore, you know, you don't see a lot of movement at other levels. But having said that, um, so I I can't give them more than a six for players out. So so overall, it's a seven. But I really want to build on that point that Will, Mike and, and Mo made. And that is, I am far more positive and far more um, excited going into this season than I was going into last season. And the reason for that is because this is a different Inter. I think it was, I would have absolutely loved for, for for this to be in a different situation where Antonio Conte stayed and Inter had signed Rodrigo de Paul and then kept the team together and marched on to, to dominate the Serie A and maybe even go far in the Champions League. Because I think, and I've said this on this podcast throughout, you know, last uh, season and this spring, that the, that football that Inter played from February and onwards would have caused every team in Europe all sorts of problems. And I think they could have gone really, really far with that Rodrigo de Paul added on that. But it's a new project. and uh, But it's a new project based on players that have now, in two years, won the league in record-breaking fashion. And they've also been in the final of a European Cup. 
this is not the, they've made that change mentally and they've got a coach who is a master at getting the best out of everything available to him um he did that for five and a half years at Lazio whether they were you know whether it was developing talent like Milinkovic Savic whether it was getting players who uh, who had never re- who had reached an age where they were never they had never really fulfilled their p- potential like Luis Alberto or players whose careers had stagnated a little bit and needed to be kick-started like Ciro Immobiles and Lucas Leiva uh, you know and, and other players Acerbi etc Lazzari I mean he knows how to get the best of what he's got and he's got a better squad at Inter than he has had had as ever had at Lazio and overall at least and I think that that's what makes me really positive he's a much more direct coach he's much more clearer in his communication um, and that's something that we know not just based on the five years he was a Lazio but also based on what Inter players say when Milan Skriniar says that Simone Inzaghi is a is a human and he sees you as a human and and I think that must be you know but but you know he sees them you know he, he says he sees you as a human and he see he looks you know he treats you with respect and Yes, he wants professionalism and he demands professionalism, but he doesn't hammer them into the ground like Conte did. And he's not crazy uh, like Spalletti was. Um, so in conflict seeking, he's a much more calm and, 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 and that's what Inter need. Inter's coach needs to be disciplined, but, he, but also needs to be the one that unites the squad and unites the club and doesn't rock the boat. And Simon Inzaghi is just that. Um, he plays a much more direct football, much more... Press, pressing a higher up the pitch. He's not a tactical genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think you have to be in order to win titles or or, or I don't think that's, that can be the, the bar that you have to have for, for, for a good coach. He is, he is, in my opinion, I've always, you know, anyone who followed me on social media knows that I think that he is the next Italian super coach. No doubt about that. And I think this is his chance of a lifetime. I'm very happy he's at Inter. I think he's got a squad that suits him to a T. And uh, I think Inter are going to have a lot of success under him. I really do. Um, but but you know, speaking, you know, going on going on that point, success. Um, I mean, what are we predicting for Inter this season, and what do what 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 are we thinking constitutes success? For me, I think given how the other teams look, Inter should win the Serie A. There's no doubt in my mind. They're the favourites, and I don't want any, I don't want it to run away from that. Um, I think Inter should also, given uh, you know, given the squad and everything, it should also go through to 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 the to the second round and of, of the Champions League. I think Inter should get to at least the final of the Coppa Italia, and I think they should win the Supercoppa. That, that's what that's what I that's what I want to see for me for me to see this season as a success. Um, I want to see development on 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 several fronts and growth on several fronts. Um, what, what, what about you, Mo? What, what, what would constitute success um, for you? going into the season before we predict the season? Yeah, I think uh, success for the season is uh, is winning the Scudetto and uh, making a nice deep run into the Champions League. I honestly don't care much for the Supercoppa or the Coppa Italia. We've spoken about this, uh, you know, uh, quite controversially last season, uh, our opinions about the Coppa Italia. So I think it's, uh, it's mainly a distraction. But I think... Uh, I, I, I would also consider the season a success if, say, for example, Atalanta come guns blazing and win the Scudetto and Inter are there fighting with them, uh, you know, every step of the way. Because I don't think, uh, I, I don't think the season, uh, it's, it's a much more finely balanced uh, top three, four than it, than it has ever been in, in the Serie A, at least in recent memory. Uh, so while I think Inter will win the Scudetto. I also wouldn't begrudge uh, Inzaghi uh, the the label of a successful season if he does continue comprehensively competing for the Scudetto up to the last game uh, and losing it to someone as long as uh, as long as that someone is neither Juventus nor Milan. You know, I think uh, if we lose to, if we if we finish below these two uh, two clowns, then we're we're in bad shape. Then it's not a successful season. So finish. Compete for the Scudetto, finish ahead of Juventus and Milan, and do a deep run in the Champions League to show that you're really moving towards something impressive. But of course, I still think that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm running away from, from my prediction of Inter winning the Scudetto. I just think that I'll probably be more, uh, be a little bit more uh, accepting 
of a, a result that's not a win. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what about you, Mike? Where are you on this? I think I'm probably between the two of you. Uh, I definitely agree. The absolute, the biggest thing that I'm going to lose my mind if it doesn't happen is they've got to get out of the damn group stage in the Champions League. Enough is enough. They should have done it the last two years. This group is almost identical to what they had last year. They, uh, they and Real Madrid are levels above the other two teams in this group. You could very easily sell me that Inter is a better team than Real Madrid. Get out of the Champions League group stage. Um, as far as whether they win the title or not, I mean, ultimately, uh, you know, look, this has been a summer of change. And this has been a summer of overhaul. And I, I think it's always a lot to expect a new manager to come in and just say, all right, pick up where the last guy left off. You need to win the league or you have failed. Uh, that worked for Juventus for a while, but the league, the rest of the league was so watered down compared to where Juve was for that nine-year run some of those times that, yeah, you could plug in an Allegri or even towards the end when they plugged in Saudi, who didn't even really fit the squad that well. You could still do that and it would work because just there was that much of a talent gap. That isn't the case here. I don't think Inter have a clearly better squad than everyone else. I think they're in the top two or three. They very well might have the best squad, but there isn't a massive gap the way that there was last year that, now that Lukaku's not here. So to sit here and say it is a failure if they don't win the league when Simone Inzaghi has come in, when the best player in the league and the heartbeat of this club, Lukaku, is no longer here, I don't feel comfortable with that. Uh, to me, and we'll get to this in predictions, I think there's a group of three that you could sell me on winning the league. Um, it's Inter, it's Juventus, and it's Atalanta. Uh I'm, I'm a Milan skeptic in a lot of ways, and we'll get to that. But uh, I can't figure out which of these three teams will win the league. I think Inter absolutely can, and I wouldn't be shocked if they do. I also wouldn't be shocked if it's, you know, if they're in third place and it's close. Um, so what do I think is a good year? I think get out of the Champions League group stage. I think, like most said, be in the Scudetto race until the end. Uh, and, you know, I mean, hell, I'd like to see a Coppa Italia win. I'm, I'm pro Coppa Italia. I'd like to have that badge back on the shirt someday. Uh, so th that's kind of where I'm at with this. Fair enough. Will, what about you? Uh, it's really difficult because um, on the one hand, I look at Inter's competitors and think that there's no reason that Inter can't finish ahead of all of them, um, despite all the problems that we've had this summer. But then on the other hand, I completely agree with what Mike says about expecting a new coach to win the league at a new club in his first season, particularly when it's his first experience at a, at a certain level of club. Um, so th the league is very hard to, to read, but I think... I wouldn't say it's it's a failure if if Inter don't win the league because I think there's there's a middle ground between success and failure, um, but I I think given the the landscape at the moment, given that nobody really has strengthened and in some cases you could say clubs teams have got weaker, um, I think if, if Inter don't win the league, the year after they won the league so convincingly, I don't think you can say it's a success. I don't mm. feel entirely comfortable saying that, but you know, normally I wouldn't demand that of a new coach who's just lost, you know, the team's two best players. And I'm not demanding it now, but I, I do think that there will be a there will be a degree of underachievement if Inter finish behind any of those teams, given what we've seen in the first two games of the season. Um, so um, I would say if we don't win the league, it's not. A fully successful season obviously it depends how you don't win the league if you finish fourth on the final day and if you finish second on the final day battling with a great Juventus team then obviously there's a difference so you, you can't really um, judge these things in advance but I would say in, generally I would say to, for it to be a great season Inter need to win the league again because of the competition that's there and because of the the quality of the squad that Marotta and Rosilio have somehow put together for this season having said that I agree with Mike my real interest at least for the first half of the season is this champions league group because if inter don't get out of that group again i will forgive that much less than in the previous three seasons because this team is as strong as any of the teams that have gone before it and they're in a group that's probably weaker than any of the groups that we've been in in previous seasons so you know for if going back to the you know that sort of um that kind of grey area between success and failure. If, we, for instance, we finished second in the league, but we reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League, I think that's a successful season potentially, because then there's an overall sense of kind of intangible sense of growth, even if you haven't necessarily won a big trophy. Um, so 
I think it's kind of the, 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 the success threshold is kind of balanced between those two competitions. I don't really m mind much about the Supercoppa. That's one match. Um, and the Coppa d'Italia would have been more important last season when we were trying to end this trophy drought. Now that we've ended it with a much bigger trophy, um, I don't think that's going to tip the balance either way. Really, I think it's, it's going to be the, the sum of Serie A and Champions League that um, is, is the, the, the barometer of success. So I would say it's a successful season if Inter either win the league or make a good run in the Champions League, and I mean quarterfinals. So if one of those two things happens, I think I'm going to be relatively pleased with how it's gone. But um, other than that, I think it's hard to give a, a hard and fast um, sort of statement on that at the moment, because, you know, there's a lot of intangibles. If, if we see great progress, um, if we're cheated out of the league for somehow, you know, it, it's hard to say. But I do think this team probably should win the league again. I will say that. So if if they don't, then um, then I won't be celebrating what we've achieved, I think, at the end of the season. Let's put it like that. Can Fair I enough. kind of real quick with yeah, a no, 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 no. Will said, because I think you made a good point about not just Inzaghi being new, but this being his first time at this level. If there is a counterpoint to what I said about why we, you know, why it's a lot to put on a new manager to win, if, you know, as far as clubs that are not the quote unquote big clubs in Italy, but are that second tier, Lazio being one of them, I don't. I don't know if there's a better place that Simone Anzaghi could prepare for what he's walking to an enter than being at Lazio, right? I mean, the purse strings have been pinched for years there. He was used to working with minimal resources. He didn't complain. He played good soldier. And just that, I mean, with between, you know, just the way Lotito operates, there's a lot of, if there's a club that's Pazza outside of Inter in Serie A among the, you know, the upper crust, Lazio is certainly among those clubs. It's it's a wild environment that he didn't have a lot of resources in. So he knows what he's getting into. There isn't going to be some blow up in mid-November about why didn't you buy me this, you know, the way that Conte inevitably would do. I think he can handle choppy waters and that's so massive here, right? I mean, yeah, the squad is acclimated towards his formation. That's a big part of why Inter hired him. But if, you know, this is, Inter are hardly in crisis, but this is this is upheaval of the likes, which you don't typically see from a team winning the league. A team that won the league with more domestic points than any team in Europe last year in their league. Uh, to go from that to where this club is right now, that's a lot. And you need someone who can roll with the punches. And Zaghi can absolutely do that. So, uh you know, to you guys' point that, hey, and I think Will is makes a very good point that inevitably, if you don't win the league after you're, you've won by as much as you did last year and some of your competition didn't improve either, it's considered a disappointment. Well, uh, that this manager can handle, I think, psychologically what's being asked of him better than most other new managers could. And that's a major reason for optimism here. Yeah, that, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, uh, let's go to our uh, predictions, and I, 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 I'm not gonna. I, I don't think you can run away from it because I think the spine of the team is still there. Um, I think the Handanovic issue is is an issue. We all know it. We all see it. Um, they they will address it. They will have to address it. But this summer, there were other more pressing issues. From what we're hearing, Andre Onana is basically going to sign for Inter in January on a free transfer and join next June. So, we, which is a typical kind of thing that. Um, uh, that that Beppe Marotta does uh, when when he when he sees a when he sees uh, an, an opening um, for for to sign a player uh, on a free transfer, um, I'd uh, I, I'd watch out uh, you know I'd watch out I'd, I'd follow and watch what happens to Frank Kessi and Romagnoli as well because it seems. Uh, we know that Inter have been interested in Kessie for a long time, and I'm sure that they will absolutely be there, be igniting their engines, looking into to Milan uh, for him, um, and even, I think even maybe Alessio Romagnoli, if I'm perfectly honest, um, because uh, as uh, as a free transfer goes, those are decent signings for a Serie A team, and, and Inter will be looking to replace Kolarova, Ranocchia, next and D'Ambrosio next summer um, for sure. So we'll have to watch that. We'll have to watch out and see what happens there. Um, and 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 I think also the Insignia situation. I wouldn't under I wouldn't underestimate that either. So I think there's going to be a lot of trans free transfers moving forward until you know football recovers. 
Uh, I know, but it'll take a few years for 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 the non-Premier League and PSG uh, sides to recover financially. We'll see. But um, having said that, um, I I think Inter are going to win the league. I I, I don't want to run away from it. I, I think Inter. I mean, I'm not I'm not demanding a Scudetto, but I feel I kind of am because I think Juventus are not the. I think they're weaker than they were last season. I think all the teams are weaker than they were last season, except for maybe Atalanta, um, but and and Roma who have strengthened significantly. Um, but I don't think they can win. I think you can you can say that Atalanta, you can make a case for them to win. And I think if there ever is going to be a surprise winner this season, it will be this year when when most teams haven't been able to strengthen. But 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 I still think it will be. Um, you know, I I think Roma will be up there, but I don't think they'll win the league. I think it's going to be tight. So I have Inter as my number one, um, and then I have. Uh, so so no, let's just go around like like that. I mean, do we all have Inter as winning the Serie A, Mo? Come on, man. Is this a question to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> I've had the Inter winning the Serie A, yeah, for a while now. I think uh, right from the start, I think, uh, yeah, Inter, Inter for the, as winners, my prediction, you know, locked in. Fair enough. Uh, what about you, Mike? Not necessarily. Um, I really... I keep going back and forth. You know, you said every squad has gotten weaker, except possibly Atalanta. I think Atalanta's better than last year. I mean, they brought in the guy who was maybe the best keeper in Serie A last year, besides Donnarumma and Juan Musso. A year ago, I know everybody's worried about Christian Romero leaving. A year ago, if you asked people who's a better, you know, who's the better depth, def- you know, depth defender at Juventus, Mera Demaral or Romero, most people are saying Demaral. They get Demaral. I love the midfield they brought in for the Dutch league, whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce because I'm going to butcher it. Uh, but most of all, they have continuity, right? Every other every other team in my top four, which for me, it's these three in Napoli, uh, but you can make a case for Mourinho also, right? Uh, they all have new managers. They all have new cultures to adapt to. Yeah, Allegri's back at Juventus, but it's been two years and there's a lot of change there. Atalanta have continuity with Gasparini. They have upgraded in a couple of areas uh, the big thing for me was, are they going to get a holding midfielder? And they did that with a player who has a ton of promise. I could see them winning the league. I could see Inter winning the league for everything we're talking about. And look, I I don't want to think that Juventus can win the league, but I think Locatelli is going to be the best midfielder they've had in quite some time. And Allegri is going to be an, an enormous coaching upgrade. Uh, you could sell me on any of these three. My head says... That Inter, that Atalanta just don't have the top end talent, and I am utterly convinced. I can't believe more people aren't talking about the center back depth or like thereof now. Juventus, depending on Chiellini and Bonucci to make it through the season unscathed, because that's what needs to happen for them to win. Uh, I can't see it, not at their ages, you know. Uh, so I could see the defense falling apart. To say nothing of who is replacing Ronaldo's goals, I think they're going to depend a ton on DiBala, and that's risky. My head says Inter will win the league. But this time last year, I always, you know, I picked Juventus and uh, it successfully jinxed them and I'm superstitious. So we're going to say Atalanta 1 and Juventus 2 and Inter 3 just to make sure that uh, some good vibes come our way. And you guys can predict us to actually win the league. (laughs) Fair enough. Will? Yeah, I'm not working with sort of ulterior motives (laughs) like some of us. I've just sort of predicted what I think is going to (laughs) happen. But I, yeah. yeah, if you'd said to me three months ago that in our season prediction podcast I was going to be putting into first, I would have sent for a straight jacket. I mean, I I can't quite believe the way that I've done a 360 on our, on our prospects for this season. But yes, I do have Inter in first place, Nima. 180, not 360. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. When you do a 360, you go the whole way around. But, but here's the thing, though. <laughs> I, I've done, I did a the team got decimated, Will probably thought we were going to win. Oh, and okay, then he okay, got okay. decimated Sorry, to go okay, 180. Got it, got and it, now it. he's back the other ah, way. Okay. Okay, got yeah, it, got it. Thank got you, Mike. Got you. Thank you. I got you. And, and it's good yeah, that you're not picking like I am because you're not a crazy person like I am. So. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that well, was that was a, just... that was a reflex save worthy of Hadanovic's best years. From the- <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, it's just it's, it's my biggest pet peeve when people say they do a 360 when they need 180. It's like when you do a 360, you do an entire... Like, no, but actually thinking about it, it's probably true that I, I have done a 360 because it's probably what happened, what Mike described. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, if there were no sales and they didn't buy anybody, you know, I remember Nima's preferred scenario, which I was in favor of too, is just don't sell anybody and just bring back DeMarco. I'm thinking we're winning the league for sure, right? So yeah. 
uh, you know, I, I circa May, you know, what was it? Three days after the titles when everything explodes. So the, the 48 hours after the title, I'm thinking we're winning easily no sweat the same way that, uh, that we all were. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a, that's a good point. But I mean, let's quickly, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to run through who I think is how the, how I think the top places. I think Inter are going to win. I think Atalanta are finishing second, Juve third, Milan fourth, Roma fifth, Napoli sixth, Lazio seventh, uh, Fiorentina eighth. Um, I think uh, Venezia, Spezia and Hellas Verona are being relegated. I have Victor Ossiman as capocannoniere. I have Inter winning the Coppa Italia. I have Juve winning the Supercoppa. So just quickly uh, going around the table, starting with you, Mo. Uh, what are your predictions? Uh, we have one to eight. Who will go down? Coppa Italia, Coppa Cavalcaniere, Supercoppa, etc. Okay, so uh, one to eight for me is Inter, Napoli. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, not Inter, Napoli. Uh, Juve, Atalanta, top four. And then mm-hmm. it's Milan, Roma, uh, six. And then it's uh, Lazio, and I guess Fiorentina. I didn't think the, the seven and eighth place, but uh, yeah, sure. Mm. Uh, relegation. I'll just uh, I'll just uh, take yours. Uh, uh, you said Spezia, Venezia, and Hellas Verona. Because it depends Hellas, on yeah, Hellas, yeah it depends yeah, yeah. on when Eusebio Di Francesco gets sacked. If he gets sacked before <laughs> Christmas, they have a chance. If not, they're going down. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a solid uh, solid call. Um, Capo Cagnoniere is uh, is a tough one, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know who who would stand out uh, today. Uh, Immobile again, I think Immobile under Sarri maybe uh, he's already uh, yeah. got his uh, scoring boots on. So Immobile under Sarri. Um, Coppa Italia again, I, I don't care. I want I would like for Atalanta to to win a title. I think the Gasperini project deserves a title, and I think we're going to win the Super Cup. So uh, that's. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, Mike, where are you on? Yeah, so you already heard my my top three that I only marginally take fully seriously. Um, in Atalanta, Juve, and Inter, it may actually be reversed. Uh, I'm a crazy person. This club has just robbed me of all of my faculties. Uh, I do have Napoli fourth. Um, Milan is fifth. And I'm just going to pause to say I don't get the Milan thing. I don't get it. They lost... You know, Mike Magnon is a really good keeper. So I, I, it's not a disaster that Donnarumma has left. But Donnarumma might be the best keeper in the world. So you're worse in net. Uh, Chalonogu leaves on a free. And, of course, I forget to mention him earlier in the podcast. But I, I like that move for Inter. Their two best players are their two center mids who happen to be gone for a month in the African Cup of Nations. Uh, they are depend- their main reinforcement is uh, a striker in his mid-30s to back up a striker in his late 30s. And Stefano Pioli is, I mean, if you look at the top four teams that I have here, right, Inter, Atalanta, Juve, Napoli, Stefano Pioli is a worse manager than all four of those managers. I don't think Milan's squad is better than any of those four teams. They're going to have a contract saga with Kessier and Romagnoli hanging over them. I don't get it. I can't grasp how there is so much expectation that this team is a a clear top four team. Um, And I have Roma in sixth. Lazio is seventh. I'm going to say Sassuolo eighth with a lot of high-powered fun attacking with Berardi and uh, Scamacca and Raspadori. Hopefully future Inter striker Raspadori. Let's just put that out there in the universe. Uh, I'm going to agree on the relegation teams, which makes me sad only because I have a huge soft spot for Venezia. Best shirts in the league. Best city in the world, in my opinion. Um, let's say Inter win the Supercoppa. I'm going to have Duvan Zapata winning Capo Cagnere in keeping with my whole Atalanta's winning the league thing that I only like 45% believe. And uh, Coppa Italia, let's go with Napoli. Okay. Will? So what happened was a few days ago, we I knew that we were going to be doing these predictions. and I knew this was going to be uh, a difficult one but for, for all the reasons that we've, we've said, that, that, that there's so much unpredictability at the top, perhaps more than ever. Um, so I made my predictions then and locked them in. Um, and what's happened in the last 10 minutes that I've absolutely... It's, it's just, I mean, it's based on what you've all been saying. <laughs> <laughs> so I've realized some good points have been made in both directions. So I've shuffled this around a lot, but I'm now fairly happy with what I've got. So I've got into winning the league. That's that stayed the same. I've got Juventus in second. And that stayed the same. Uh, Atalanta are third now. Uh, Napoli are fourth because Spalletti is a Champions League qualification wizard. Uh, Milan are fifth. Roma are sixth. Uh, 
and Lazio and Sassuolo are seventh and eighth. Um, I've got Duran Zapata as the capo cannoniere because I struggle for that, but I think he could be in the Atalanta team could be a good bet. Um, going down Venezia, Spezia and uh, Salernitana, I don't think Frag Ribery is enough to save them. I think they've got one of the worst squads I've ever seen um, in the top flight. Um, I've got Milan to win the Coppa Italia because it's, you know, picking a team basically uh, and they've won it in a while. Uh, and I've got Juventus to win the Supercoppa and that is slightly, you know, superstitious because obviously um, I'm just sort of foreseeing some kind of um, controversial defeat, to put it diplomatically. So I'll say Juventus win the Supercoppa. So yeah. what did you change? What Where were you at before oh, we start talking? Oh, I've moved Milan down and Atalanta up basically because you, you said all you, you said good things, Mike. So but then I also changed other things as well. So, you know, um, that's what I've got now. That's what matters. I've I've considered my predictions very, very carefully and completely changed them in the course of five minutes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if obviously if I get them all wrong, I can just say, well, I, I originally had the right league table. So, you know, I've got an insurance. Blame me. Just, just blame me. I, I swayed you on this. It's my no, fault. No, you did. I mean, I, I honestly forgot Atalanta had signed one Musa. But, oh, God. OK. Um, oh, my God. I, yeah. if, if, if look, if, if Inter by some act of God had signed Juan Musso, I would think we'd win the league by 15 points. Yeah, that's how big of a gap I think there is between him and what Samir is now. I think because that happened a while ago. Um, yeah, and also I, I like Giroud, but you, you're right about Milan. They've actually just got weaker. So anyway, that's I'm, I am I've, I'm signing these predictions with my own signature, not yours. So you know, <laughs> I'm happy with them now. Well, okay. Well, well, that's fair enough. Um, we do play uh, Sampdoria this uh, week, and um, we, we we play them all the following weekend on Sunday. It's a lunch match game, 12.30 kickoff CET. Um, it's a game where it feels like um, the last days of the Mercato, it felt like Sampdoria were basically, because they were playing on a playing there, they were basically signing everyone under the sun <laughs> to strengthen going into that game. Like basically assembling, I saw someone tweet out that Ferrero's basically assembling the Avengers because he's playing Inter next. But um, it is what it is. But no, I, it's it's going to be interesting because there is, there is, you know, the, Gagliardini is, 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 is fully recovered. Um, Alexis Sanchez, we don't know. I don't think he will be recovering in time for that. Uh, Erin Dzeko, uh, Lautaro, Joaquin Correa, all of them are inter- on international duty. So I'm a little bit worried um, in the, about this game. And I mean, and also Denzel Dumfries getting out. We have a lot of players on international duty and, and they play, most of them play pretty closely to, to, to that Sunday. And by the time everyone listens to this, he will also be, be him, have, have been made aware of the absolute clown cart show that has been happening in Brazil between Brazil and Argentina. So I think Lautaro and Joaquin will, Correa will be a little bit more rested, but by, but they still have to get back to Europe from South America and, and not be jet lagged. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll I, 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 I'm, I'm worried here. I'm really worried. And it's, it's, it's Sampdoria are a little bit of a, especially um, uh, away, uh, Sampdoria are a little bit of a bogey team. Remember, we lost last season uh, against them away. Uh, Alexis Sanchez missed a penalty, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, that was kind of the kickstart of Inter going on that crazy run. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking 1-1 draw here. I think uh, Satriano will start. I think Satriano will score, but I think this is going to end in a 1-1 draw. It's going to be tight and difficult. What about you, Mo? Yeah, this is one uh, where I have to, uh, like you, uh, think that, uh, you know, it's not going to be all fun and games. I think for sure it's going to be a difficult game, considering the, 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 the tough week uh, and workload on all our internationals. Uh, but I also think that uh, Inter do possess the quality uh, to, uh, to win. So I think uh, it'll be uh, a difficult 2-1 where, uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, Vidal uh, goal in the 80, or maybe Vidal won't play because he was on uh, Chile national duty. But uh, Gagliardini goal in the in the 88th minute or something, just uh, you know, uh, scrape uh, the three points at the Skinnerarty. I think ultimately we'll win, but we'll suffer a lot. It it will not be a pretty game for Interisti to watch. Fair enough, uh, Mike. What about you? Yeah, I, I definitely agree that this is not going to be a clean sheet. I basically use this match to talk about the two things that that I, I think will really determine whether they win the league, which is the two players. One is just 
the elephant in the room is Samir. Uh, I, I can't see. I mean, this is, you know, Sampdoria is scrappy. Uh, they have the old dude striker crew with uh, Quagliarella and Caputo now. Uh, it feels like they are going to put some shots on net and just week in, week out, how much can you trust Samir Handanovic at this point? I, it was rough last year. We were, we you know, it was a white knuckle ride. In turn, an ideal world would have had the money to replace him now. They don't. Uh, this feels like one of those matches that it should be an inter win and it might be a draw. And you can afford a few of those during the year when you drop some points that you should have. But how many times, if this is a Samir era, whether it happens this week or in a couple of weeks, there will be one. Uh, how many of those can they weather, right? That's going to be one of the defining questions of this team. And then the other aspect is, you know, I don't know who they're going to start, right? There's been a lot of talk in the papers that they might juggle the lineup. Uh, but so much of this year really depends on Lotaro. All right. Th- this is, it is Lotaro's being positioned both economically and symbolically as the face of this club now, but he needs technically to be that guy. How many times last year when things were rough, did Lukaku drag this team by the stri- by the scruff of the neck and score a goal when he needed to, right? That, that's not Lotaro. Lotaro runs hot and cold. There are times when he looks like the best player on the pitch, and there are times when he just looks lost. He always works, but we can't have the Lotaro Martinez anymore of he'll wind up with 18 goals at the end of the year, and he's worked hard, and some matches he's great, and some matches he disappears. This needs to be 20 to 25 goals with Lotaro, which I think is doable considering he'll take all the penalties that Lukaku had. Uh, and there needs to be some moments where if this is, you know, one of those matches where some toy are digging in, but Inter are more, more talented, he needs to be the difference between a 1-1 match and a 2-1 match. He needs to be the guy who steps up and scores the goal late, because if he doesn't take that step to not just a really talented young player, but one of the best strikers in the world or one of the best young players in the world performatively, then I don't think Inter win the league. No matter how much I like this manager and how much the spine is still intact, Lautaro Martinez has to be a bona fide world-class player this year. The training gloves are off and Inter need him to be that guy. That combined with how much of damage control Samir can do to me will determine whether the league gets won this year again or not. So uh, we'll say 1-1, but that's those are the two things that I'm watching either way. Mm, for sure. What about you, Will? Yeah, very difficult game. Um, as you said, lots of problems to deal with in terms of team team selection. But uh, I have just predicted that Inter will win the league. And that's because I now trust them in these more difficult games, even when circumstances are not ideal. I think if you're, if you're going to be stamping your authority on a league, as, especially as defending champions, you, you need to be finding a way to get through these matches without losing your head. So I'm going to say 1-0 with, uh, with Edin Dzeko scoring. I mean, it could, could certainly be harder than that and turn into a nasty afternoon but given that these circumstances are not ideal as I said but uh yeah I I was very encouraged by uh what what we saw in the first two games particularly the, the comeback against against Hellas when that game seemed to be becoming very frustrating so um yeah a, a narrow win um I mean one thing the pitch won't be a, a, a quagmire like it was in January so that's one thing that's in our favor um yeah so I, I will say one nil, but as it, it could be, um, it could be frustrating and, and hard fought for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think we all, we all kind of agree that this is going to be quite the difficult. Um, this is going to be quite a difficult afternoon. Honestly, uh, you know, it's a difficult ground, and and also given you know the the this this international break and and the chaos that has ensued um, surrounding it, um, and and due to. Um, you know the, the tight fixture list, uh, fixture schedule that 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 that's coming up. It's going to be. It's going. To, I think this is going to hurt Inter quite a bit. But this, you know, this is why you have a broad squad and you have to, you know, a deep squad and you have to kind of, you have to do, you have to do the best. It's it's the same for everyone, I guess. Um, in terms of uh, the big teams, this is what you have to deal with. And and Simone Inzaghi usually is good at rotating. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I mean, and we also know that Gagliardini always scores against the teams from Genoa. So maybe it's time for him to, you know, to do what he's paid to do. And that is to come out, you know, start and score two goals against Sampdoria and Genoa and then not do anything, please, for the next remainder of the season. Because, or who knows? I mean, you know, if, if Simone Inzaghi can, can rehabilitate uh, Roberto Gagliardini, who's a player he's been very fond of, then, you know, good luck. And then, and then he Gagliardini's really like our 
he's like our broken clock, isn't he? He's right twice a season. <laughs> exactly. He's right twice a season um, against the teams from Genoa. Right. Um, that's, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity, which we presented by Mr. Positivity, this week's Morati, Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, I think uh, it's a difficult uh, week to uh, to make uh, you know uh, positive readings for Inter when there when there's hasn't been a game being played over the weekend. Uh, and I say this, uh, my Moratti of the week is uh, the Lautaro-Korea partnership, uh, you know, after having only seen them play once for the club and then and making uh, Korea my previous weeks so, or previous episodes, Moratti. But then they go on uh, and play for Argentina and Korea scores a brace and uh, Lautaro assists one goal and scores a goal as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this partnership looks like it's, uh, it's a real deal. Uh, I'm very excited about uh, you know about them playing both uh, together consistently, not not just for club but for club and country. And uh, you know, uh, let's uh, let's see more of this uh, so that we can exercise the Lula Lula dreams of uh, seasons past. You know, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, let's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get away, but I, I still, you know, you keep, you keep, you keep mentioning, um, Beppe Marotta. And I, I mean, what he's done this summer is probably, I mean, to keep it together in these circumstances has been, I mean, it's difficult to have a Mercato review episode and not give him the Marotta, uh, the, the Moratti of the week, because he's, what a summer, and what he's done, him and Auxilio, and they work really well together, and now I really just hope, please make those contract extensions uh, official as soon as possible, because then I can relax, I won't be able to relax until Auxilio, uh, Bacin, uh, and Marotta have signed those contract extensions, with, which expire at the end of June uh, in 2022. Right, uh, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Just before I give the frog, I was, um, obviously I don't listen to this pod much because, you know, I'm on it. Um, but it's, so it's been interesting listening to the, uh, the, the, sort of listening to it from the other side for once. And I was very taken by the, the frog uh, intro, um, the commentary that we've got. <laughs> coming into the the frog section um and uh, i managed to find that what it was referring to do you do you know what own goal that was um the the because mm. where it goes Clamoroso, alto gol di i think it's sampdoria no it was it was at marassi ironically yeah. um no it was it was uh genoa inter in 2018 when we lost mm-hmm. 2-0 to ballardini's genoa and screening uh-huh. cannon the ball off ranocchio right on the stroke of half time so that's that's i just I found that out earlier because I, w- I wanted to try and find the commentary. So that's that's interesting. Um, maybe not a great omen, given the stadium we're playing in uh, next weekend. But anyway, uh, this week's frog is Lazio. It's quite simple. Um, I, I mean, there are contrast, there are conflicting versions of this story. So you know, <laughs> you have to kind of pick pick the one that you find the most plausible. It is or indeed the most, insane. It the is most truly entertaining. Insane. You know, so yeah. It's probably the best thing that's happened this summer in just in sport. You know, there have been lots of high moments, lots of high quality moments um, over the last few months, whether it be the Olympics or the, the Euros or, or, or um, other, other sporting events that you've been following. I'm sure there have been lots of them. But I think the most um, enjoyable one was the last week of uh, the transfer window and Lazio's failure to sign Kostic from Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, the, the initial story, as it was given by the Italian media, presumably from Lazio's from Lazio sources, was that Frankfurt had given Lazio a, a, intentionally a wrong email address in a bid to sort of um, prevent a last minute move from Kostic uh, for, for Kostic going through. Um, but it's been denied by not officially, but sort of through the German media. And they've said that La- the reason Lazio didn't sign Kostic in time was because they sent their offer to the wrong email address because they missed the K in Frankfurt. 
Um, and you, I think it's the kind of thing that you'd expect from sort of non-league or sort of Sunday Sunday league transfers. Um, but apparently it's happened at pretty much the highest level of professional football. Um, so I think that's very frog worthy. And I think that the... the um, the best the best summary of what happened came from Fabrizio Biazin, who basically said, you know, we don't need to know whether it's Frankfurt's version or Lazio's version that's correct. It's just perfect as it is, this story. Just, <laughs> le- just, just leave it there and we can enjoy it. But I think, you know, I, I think the Lazio getting the letter wrong sounds slightly more credible than the, than the giving a fake email address. We never know, but I think it's probably them. So, you know, in the absence of certainty, I will say that it's it's Lazio for this week's frog because that was a player they've been following all summer. So to miss out on him for the letter K not being in the email address that they sent their their offer to is farcical and very funny. It's incredibly funny. This story is. Um, I read something here now that Inter are really really keen on him as well because Perisic is leaving and Lotito missing out on Kostic to Simone Inzaghi might just put. Lotito over the edge. Like, I think he just might absolutely just spontaneously self-combust after how Simone Inzaghi left um, him after having, you know, went to Inter and, and um, he's already pissed off. So, yeah, no, it's 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 quite the, it's quite the story and it's, it's, it's really, really brilliant. Right, let's move on to something much more negative this week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pielucci. Yeah, so this is my first time on the show this year. I, I didn't get a chance, obviously, yet to address uh, the Lukaku situation. Um, and I think the Lukaku situation has been the storyline of this club over the summer. And my emoji of the week is anybody. And I, I don't know if this is just a vocal minority. I don't know if this is necessarily prevalent. But it really just has to be said that my emoji of the week is anybody who really actually blames Romelu Lukaku and is shunning him and wants to make him persona non grata for leaving the club. It is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, put yourself in this situation. If you worked for a company and your ownership was unstable, uh, you knew that your this company's bosses had severe cash flow problems and you had to wait in your checks for a while. Your boss who advocated for you and brought you into this company, you trust more than anybody else. He's out the door. Uh, all around you, your coworkers, you don't know if they're going to be here anymore or they're not. Uh, the company itself might be talking about your job behind your back, uh, maybe to other companies. And on the other hand, a top class company wants to recruit you, pay you much more. They are performing even better. And you have sentimental value from having worked there before and feeling like you have unfinished business. What would you do? The answer for most of us in our lives is you would go to the other company. And that is in a lot of ways what happened with Romelu Lukaku and Inter and Chelsea. I get as an Inter fan why we are all bummed that Lukaku is not here anymore. I wanted to see him here for many more years. Uh, it sucks the way it went down. Uh, he certainly could have released a statement slightly earlier, even though I thought his statement was totally fine. But the bottom line is this this guy is a legend at Inter, all right? Pure and simple. He is the biggest reason that a 10-year trophy drought ended. He is the best striker to play it, and, and, it, to put on an Inter shirt since Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And every minute he was here for two years, he gave everything he had to this club. If you don't think that was real, go back and watch all of his celebrations after they won the league, when he's going through the streets of Milan, just singing out the window of his car, or when he's weeping when he's about to take the trophy, You know, when he's wearing a T-shirt of his grandparents because he finally won something for the first time in his life. He put so much into this club for every minute until he left. And that's all you can reasonably ask. This isn't Raja Nainggolan who mailed in half the time he was here, you know, despite being brought in for major for a major fee. This isn't Ibrahimovic, who I don't blame for leaving or being a mercenary whatsoever, but Ibrahimovic took shots at the club on the way out the door to Barcelona. Lukaku never did anything wrong when he was here. The situation was unsustainable in a lot of ways. The club very well might have been shopping him before Chelsea came in to swoop in anyhow. And this is someone who I do very much believe if there was a club that meant something to him that he had unfinished business at in a league where he still has people stupidly doubting his abilities. I do believe Chelsea meant something to him, but it needs to stop. All right. This is a guy who, you know, we're going to turn the page. This is going to be a new club. Hopefully we're celebrating a second title next year, but whatever happens, Lukaku should be looked at fondly. Lukaku did a ton for this club. 
let's not bury him any, you know, when he's out the door and let's not do that tacky thing where anytime he doesn't score a goal at Chelsea, we all say he sucked and he's, he'd be better off with us. It was a great run. It was too short of a run, but it was a great run. I'm going to miss him. He's a legend. I agree with that. I think, you know, I, I don't like this, that he's this, you know, he's a mercenary, this and that or the other. I think, I think you laid it out brilliantly. I agree with that. And also, if you read his interview he did with Belgian media just the other day, he said that Inter, you know, saved me out of the shit. That's literally what he said. Inter, you know, pulled me out of the shit. I was deep in the shit and Inter saved me. And and he's very grateful. And, and he, you know, he pretty much, you know, said when the third offer came, I realized I, I couldn't, you know, my head wasn't in it anymore. And I think that's honest. Yeah. Um, he's and, never and, been anything but honest the whole time he's here. To me, it's it, to me he should be looked at the way Mourinho was looked at. Yeah, you know, Mourinho left the minute that Inter won the Champions League. But guess what? Who cares? He did everything he was supposed to do, and he gave everything he had to the club. And he's going to always think of the club fondly. That's all you can realistically ask for, right? Not everybody's going to be Zanetti, and that's okay. This guy, when he was here, did everything that was expected of him. He's always going to speak of the club fondly. Great. Can't wait to see him do great in England. Really. Yeah. No, I agree. I have no, I have no issues here either. And Inter, Inter paid sixty million, seventy million, and got one hundred and fifteen. So you know, at the end of the, and he won a scudetto for Inter as well. So you know, you, you can't say anything there. No, I agree. Agree. Right. Uh, that's all we had time for. I'd like to thank you, Mo, uh, for joining me this Sunday and not on a Monday. What a lovely episode! Thank you very much for having me. Uh, pleasure as always. Reverend Mike Pilucci. I'd like to thank you for having the show on a Sunday so I can come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Mr. William Beckman. Yeah, amen to what Mike said. Um, good to be good to be back up and running for a new season. And uh, I hope everyone makes it through the next week of, of no club football with uh, their sanity intact. Yes, yes, absolutely. And And if you haven't, then please, uh, I'm sure you will by the time you hear this, uh, make sure to check out the madness that's going on in Brazil, between Brazil and Argentina. I think that is the frog of the century. Um, it's it's just, it's insane. Uh, but until next week, uh, take care of yourselves, your families, listen to your authorities, stay safe. Uh, wishing you all health and and and, say, and to stay safe and three points and sempre e solo forza. Inter.